Hey everybody, welcome to the Little Rock Games podcast, a study in games. Tonight we're talking about Tales of Magiel, published and developed by Nicholas Casolini, also known as Netcore Games. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. I'm Tanner. I'm Olivia. I'm Robbie. Welcome, and uh, I hope you guys will stick with us for a bit because we've got a whole bunch of interesting stuff to talk about. <laughs> Before we do that, though, Olivia's got an exciting announcement. Yeah, I do. So this season four, episode two, we've got an announcement because we've got our game on Kickstarter right now. And it's doing awesome. Actually, by the time this episode come out, comes out, there'll probably be just a day or two left of the campaign if you want to check it out. It's called To the Rescue, a dog shelter simulator, and it's awesome, and you should back it because we have all kinds of really good rewards that are only going to be available during the Kickstarter. So look it up. And if the Kickstarter is over, you know, still look forward to it coming out. If you're into simulation games, if you're into dogs, or if you just want to support us, it's going to be great. It's right up your alley. Yeah, and it's on Steam right now. If you want to give it a wish list and a follow there for updates. Awesome. It's fantastic. We're pretty close to 200% funded. What? Which yeah. is unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. Totally really, unbelievable. Really, really awesome. Yeah, it is. So excited. Yes. Um, just so I don't forget. Yes. Tonight is episode two of season four. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can splice that in later. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> so welcome, everybody. Uh, if you've never heard of or played Tales of Magiel, it's what they call a roguelike. We can have lots of discussion tonight about what that actually means. Um, most roguelikes have a couple of things in common. One is that they are permadeath. So your first character is your only character. And if you happen to die along the way, that's the end of the story. You have to start all over again. Uh, the other thing they share generally in common is procedural generation. So every time you play through, the map, the enemies, the loot drops, all of it is a little bit different. Um, those are things that really interest me, but we can talk about lots of other things as well. Um, how's that sound to get us going? That's good. Tell us, uh, Joe, why did we play it this month? Why don't we play this game yes. this past month? Uh, it is weirdly probably my favorite game. It seems like a strange thing to say, but when I add up all the hours I've played of it, it's way longer than any other game I've ever played. Um, so, And this season we're going through and each one of the five of us are picking our uh, favorite, one of our favorite games that we wanted to share with the others uh, that, that we had gotten a lot of enjoyment out of and we wanted to make sure that the other four of us and you guys out there in, in podcast land also got to enjoy. Podcastland. Yeah. And this was Joe's <laughs> Podcastland. Podcastlandia. Yeah. What's uh, interesting, I have to say this, this is going to be embarrassing later, but um, I think that actually Slay the Spire has beaten Tales of Magiel as my now favorite game. Only so, within the last like, two or three weeks. Within the last 116 hours or so that I played it in the last two weeks. Um, but we can talk about that game some other day. Um, up until then, I would say this was my favorite game. Um, it's weird, though. You guys probably have this experience, too, right? Like, it... It, it sort of goes in and out of favor. So there are times that I hate it, like right after I die usually, and I've worked with a character for many hours, and then it just, you know, they die. Um, but right now I'm actually a little burned out on it too because I played it a ton in the first half of the month just to mm -hmm. kind of be in the same space as you guys. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so right at the moment, I'm not, I'm like sort of on a low with it, but it'll come back at some point. And anyway, what'd you guys think? Um, I'll start. It was fun. It was um, way, way more complex than I thought. Well, so, so you start playing it and the graphics aren't great. Um, they're not bad, but they're older style. Um, it's all just kind of jumping around a map in, in little quick blips. Did you recognize the icons from the game? <laughs> no. You probably did. <laughs> all, every single icon used in the game was from GameIcons.net. Wow. Every single one of them. Nice. And I've, I, it took me a while to realize where I recognized them from, but yeah, um, but they work. Yeah, really now well. that you mentioned it, um, sure. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, yeah, a little bit but of a sidebar, To be but. fair, he did a lot of texture work and gradients and stuff. Absolutely. So Honestly, okay. like I, when I first saw the game, like I first looked at it on Steam, I was like, oh my god, this looks horrible. Me too. <laughs> like it's gonna just hurt me to play this, but I, it actually grew on me a little bit as I started playing it yeah. and seeing the different environments, and um, yeah, I actually it. It, like I said, it just grew on me. First impressions were really bad, but it got better. As I got used to the interface and could navigate it a little bit yeah. easier, I could appreciate it a little more, especially as a one-man operation. Yeah, same here. It's funny, right, because um, I normally would never play a game with, like, the sort of low-scale graphics, and the the art is questionable, right? Like, the, the, cut, like the scenes that pass through, you're like, eh. But, um, but weirdly, like... The only reason I found it is because I had been playing other roguelikes and I, I just kept going, man, I, I, I want to keep playing in this genre. And like I would read account after account after account where people are like, well, here's my top five favorite roguelikes of all time. And, and it was on every single list. And I'm like, well, OK, I guess I guess I should try it. Mm -hmm. But I, like you, I like I want things to be pretty alongside everything else. Um, I guess it's worth noting, too, that that roguelikes generally, um, except in the last couple of years, have had really low level like this is fancy graphics for compared to a lot of roguelikes so it's sort of like a like a purist approach to it right like yeah. if you're not playing with effectively like ascii art yeah it's not like an actual roguelike exactly. for some people yeah yeah and it's based on angband which was a 1990 um roguelike built at the i think the university of warwick in the uk hmm. um and so a lot of its ideas come from that game um and that was ascii art so you're like the little at symbol i think and right move around. but anyway yeah i, I mean i definitely think that um if it wasn't picked for this and if it wasn't for you talking about it prior to this <laughs> there's no way i ever would have picked it up right. not because i dislike games with low fidelity artwork like i'm really forgiving of that sort of stuff but yeah. it's just with so many other games competing for attention like it always falls down the list for yeah, something else and that's yeah. usually the thing that crosses well, it, the line yeah i mean it's the art but also it doesn't have a ton of curb appeal like the the like if i saw it just scrolling through steam i probably wouldn't give it a second glance i know i saw I it know. i've seen it multiple times scrolling because when steam makes the recommendations mm -hmm. it's so like so many of the other games that i've played that i've liked and and i i think i'm like you that uh my circle of, of favorite games is like that list you were talking about where everybody had it on their top top five list and so I think that's why I had seen it so many times. And every time I was like, nope, that looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but back to my, uh, uh, it was deceptively um, complex for a game that looks so simple and sort of low uh, low budget or low, low. yeah, I don't want to say low effort. It totally wasn't low effort, but it's not what I mean. Well, yeah, because it seems like it takes the focus away from being marketable or nice looking. It was just focused on making the mechanical aspect of the number crunching and the dungeon yeah. dumping, like that's what it was about. Like it wasn't a, it's not about 
it's like it, it's, it's weird to say, but it's not about looking good. It's about <laughs> and uh, it does those things extraordinarily well. Yeah. Uh, like and I, I'm I, that's the appeal. Yeah, for me too. Yeah. So I. I didn't mind the, the art too bad, actually. Like, for what it was doing, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is fine. I can look yeah. at this. But the sound design is what kept getting to Oh, yeah, me. I'm pretty sure like, that's the guy just with a microphone just making wolf sounds. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I turned the sound off really quickly, <laughs> yeah. really, really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I especially, so I played a dwarven bulwark, and so most of the time I didn't have to worry about dying. And so I would just sort of hold the arrow key forward because I didn't do a lot of damage, but I was, you know, I was chugging right along. So the the sounds get layered over the top of each other and just sort of a cacophony. Um, so that, yeah, I think it wore on me extra because of that because I typically just sort of mashed the arrow key and just chewed through a line of dudes. And yeah, yeah, that was a that is fair for sure. <laughs> yes, uh, my strategy was exactly the opposite. I yeah. played a. Uh, uh, archery rogue type and I, I went the opposite direction and tried to get away from them as much as I can um, which and we should talk about uh, the variety of all the different types to play but Robbie you haven't said anything yet because um, we've been talking too much no I I liked it surprisingly I don't I generally don't like roguelikes but I liked this one I don't know if it was just because of like it was the it was like the right headspace that I was in just to receive it or whatever, but I liked it. And um, the the graphics weren't a problem as much as... The only, the, like, the only note that I would give him is just, like, is color choice. Like, everything has yeah. a really drab... Yeah. Things will get lost. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, so, like, the, the, the quality of the artwork isn't, isn't so bad. And there's some cool, like, animations and stuff, like the trees that sway and stuff that's <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but if it just wasn't so drab, but it's something we haven't mentioned, um, and that was in my mind, I don't know at what point in the development this happened, but originally it was meant to be a, a game about Middle Earth. Yep. And so those movies are some of my favorite movies, even though they're like when you're in one place, everything is the same color. Like a lot of Middle Earth in the Peter Jackson movies is kind of drab and boring. Um, and uh, with that in mind, some of the scenery is like, all right, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the cool things is that it's it's uh, open source, so if you want to, you could go <laughs> and you could replace the whole texture set and like have your own. So that's in fact, there's a lot of mods for this. Yeah, there are a ton of mods. <laughs> oh, I didn't um, see any of the texture yeah. pack mods. So it, it wasn't either. actually originally on look. on Steam. It, it's it's model for the first year, or eighteen months, something like that was um, donationware. And so it was just, he. it was open source. They had this TE4 engine, put the whole thing together, put it out there, and people paid or didn't pay. Um, and uh, and then eventually it made it, I think in 2013 maybe, it made it to Steam. And then, of course, it's, um, but they do, he continues to do free updates. It's six, seven years later. He still does free updates to the, so it feels like a kind of labor of love, which I also find appealing. In um, that respect, it reminded me of, uh, was it FTL? Was that the faster than light? Was I know RimWorld did a donation model for a long time. Yeah, like there have been a couple of those types of games mm -hmm. um, that that are usually single. One guy made it. Are you thinking of the Italian with... space guy game? Yes. What was that called? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> gosh. So there's this one Italian guy. Is it Super Mario Galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, no. yes, but... <laughs> Maybe, no. <laughs> no, there's this Italian guy who made this super fun... It's not FTL. And it's not a roguelike, because the whole map, I think, is, is pre-made. Yeah. But it's like this gigantic pre-made map. I played that for a couple of months back in like 2011. You you showed me. Yeah. That was one of the first games that you oh and I kind of bonded over, I guess. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, my we, favorite thing is you could change out the ship and turn it into the Millennium Falcon, right. violating Disney and yeah. Lucasfilm copyright. Um, we, anyway, I'll, I'll think of this Sorry. halfway through the podcast and I'll tell you guys all what it is. If not, I'll put it in the description down below on the webpage. Um, but okay, carry on. Yeah. Um, no. Done. That, yeah. that was it. That was all I had. I just so, want to touch real quick on like the, the functionality of the art. So like we've been kind of ribbing it about it, but I didn't really run into much that like impeded me from understanding what was happening in the game. Like most of the enemies have a decent color separation from the background. Like mm-hmm. not one hundred percent of the time. But the important but usually, ones did. Yeah. Like, the and like the bosses did. have those little yeah, the little like, you know, circles around the bottom of them so I can go like, okay. And just slow down and quit and smashing yeah. the One thing I appreciated was that most effects and abilities had unique animations. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. wasn't like this scratch is the same as that bite. Like you can sort of tell what's happening mm-hmm. at a glance. Yeah. Because um, they did have like the um, the like log of everything that happened per turn, which is common for a lot of those turn-based roguelikes. Um, it can be really difficult to tell what happens during a turn. Yeah. I installed a mod to make that easier. It, yeah. it fades um, really quickly too. Yeah, you can, open, you can open up a... Oh, yeah. open up the history, but yes. Um, but yeah, I did appreciate that, even though like the yeah the art wasn't particularly quote unquote like good in the classic way, but it was very distinctive. Like the different character and like the different classes all looked really different, and it did stuff like it paid attention to like what armor you had equipped, and you yep. could see it on your character, and so there was a lot of depth to it, even if it. Or, sorry, a lot of breadth to the amount of of just assets in the game which was interesting um because it is a procedural game so there's a lot of different content right you've got lots of different areas you can explore um one thing that i thought was interesting is that the overworld was basically the same um every single time yeah there are a couple of randoms but most of Mm -hmm. it is the same placement yeah (laughs) if you die enough you (laughs) you see a lot and honestly i was about to say that was one of my complaints about the game like normally i do really like permadeath in games and i like roguelikes yeah. But um, I felt like I didn't want to immediately start a new character when one died because I just didn't want to go through those same areas again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see the extra stuff, and then yeah. you had to go through everything, and you might accidentally die on your way back to where you were before. Yeah. So that was one complaint for me was that... Because um, a lot of roguelikes and a lot of, like, design-wise, I feel like the benefit if, if from making failure feel like a reason to start again rather than a reason mm-hmm. for you to close the game in life. Yeah. And this did suffer from that a little bit. Whenever like I died, I immediately wanted to stop playing the game. It did not make it didn't feel like part of the game loop. It yeah. felt like a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is one thing that a lot of modern road likes have done interesting things to mitigate. Yeah. And weirdly though, I think that may be the primary reason that I asked you guys to play it. Uh-huh. Because I've it's a feeling I have not had in any other roguelike I've played in quite the same way. So I have I've played a bunch of others and I played the the sort of rogue lights, which are yeah. again for people who don't know the lingo, are sort of sometimes sort of scrubbed down versions of roguelikes and sometimes they have they have softer rules. Some there's a lot of different variations to them. But 
Um, but part of that is sort of incorporating death in in a way that's that's meaningful. Like uh, there's one called Dungeonmans, which is basically where you run a university for <laughs> for NP for uh, player characters, and so everyone that goes out and dies, like the gear and the like everything gets left behind essentially. And so then you can upgrade the university based on these, like all these characters you're sending out to die. Um, and so, so there, yeah, those kinds of interesting variations, but yeah, I've never felt so demoralized and frustrated by death in any other game that like quite like I do in this one. And like where I'll literally shut it off for days mm-hmm. and just like, and I'll think about the character like a couple of days later and I'll be like, I can't believe what happened. And so that's really, that experience for me is really unusual. And so that's partly why I wanted to kind of explore it. But. Yeah, I actually have a question about that then. So does the permadeath actually add, does it make the experience better? Mm. Like, because, I mean, you've talked about before about how satisfying it is. And I had this experience too of thinking I'm not going to get out of the situation. And so you slow down, you take your time and you somehow scrape by with like one HP and it feels really good when you know that if you die, you're not coming back. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess it makes you have like a higher sense of accomplishment for surviving, but then if you don't, it just feel, makes you feel like totally like, like it almost feels like a waste of time in some ways. So mm-hmm. it's int- I, I'm not sure if I feel like the trade-off is worth it or not in this case. Yeah. Does anybody else, any thoughts? That's my general thought on most roguelikes. It's why I don't like them. It's because it's just like, but I, I mean, I put in all this effort and this thing happened, but like the game is made for that thing to happen. And it's just, it's just always frustrating. Yeah. 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 And, and, and again, I like, I guess I'm intrigued by that feeling, and that's why I keep going back to the game. Mm-hmm. And it's also why, I, again, I wanted to talk about it because there's a lot of layers to it. So one layer for me is the loss of gear. So yeah. like I'll I'll work for hours and hours to create like this perfect wrapper of gear mm-hmm. around a particular class of character, and I'm so happy with it. And I'm like I've got like these triple bonuses yeah. working through like multiple pieces of gear, and I'm like oh my god, I'm cranking and I'm unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And then I just until I, you're some not. like random like ambush, like a freaking I'm invincible. <laughs> and that that's interesting to me too. Like like yeah. that feeling of like I'm invincible literally till the encounter where I get killed. Yeah. And I and I'm like kill 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 dead. Yeah. And, and to, I, to yeah. me that feels like the rug being ripped out from under me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't feel like oh, my skills weren't good enough. It just feels like, oh, I got unlucky. Yep. So I, I feel like for the most part, if you knew how to pace out like where to go to the different areas and stuff, the balance in the game is pretty good, but yeah. every once in a while you'll, mm-hmm. you know, not even of any fault of your own, just turn a corner and mm-hmm. there's literally nothing you can do. Yeah. And when you realize there's nothing you can do, that's when it feels frustrating. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing to talk about because... I think it's interesting that, like, I mean, games are supposed to be fun, right? From one perspective. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like they don't have to be. But I don't feel like that sense of failure is an intentional part of this roguelike loop. But it could be. Like, I don't know if that if that's part of the reason why they're enjoyable to a set of people. Um, I get the feeling that for a lot of people, they like roguelikes because they're hard and for like the sense of accomplishment and to be able to brag that they that they did it on forums or whatever, or just to be proud of it themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess if the sense of punishment isn't there, it wouldn't be the same. I don't know. Yeah, so, go, go, yeah. The, so 
the reason why I don't like that about roguelikes is because it's it's actually really realistic. And so in lots of other games, people are always talking about realism and stuff like that. And really in a game like this, yeah, when you're going when you venture into the unknown, when you're when you choose to be an adventurer in a world where there's monsters and stuff, the reality is you don't know what's around the corner. Things are not actually gated by levels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 Bilbo took a wrong turn, he would have been eaten by like any number of creatures. Uh, so like the chance of success is kind of random. But I don't. I don't. I not. I, I, there's many other gamers. I don't play games uh, to have them mimic real life. Yeah. And so it, it feels like, yeah, that would happen if this world were real, but. I wanted to be a hero. It is and, yeah. worth noting for people listening to the podcast that there are all the other play modes to play in Tales of Mojo. Oh, yeah. You can yeah. play without permadeath. Yeah. There's a couple different ones that I'm not yeah, even sure. Yeah, there's adventure mode yeah. where you get multiple lives. Um, yeah, there's the, also... A, uh, one where you get infinite lives. Yeah. Maybe that's adventure mode. I think there's one where you get infinite lives, one where you get like three, Yep. and then one that's just one. There, yeah. Yeah. There, the The... There was a mode that I played where I died. This might happen in all the modes at some point, or it might be a random thing. I don't know. And I saw like the Adalon. This yeah. white like, that's, yeah. angel yeah, kind of thing. That's yeah, that's if you're playing in either of those other modes. Yeah. Like, res- that's how the yeah. respawn that's, works. Yeah. That, that, when that happened, that also really intrigued me a lot because I, I just remember sitting and thinking, like, what part of the Lord of the Rings myth, like, was was this going to be a part of? <laughs> like, there, and actually, I thought that uh, through a lot of the game. And, yeah. it's, and I don't think it's what kept me playing, because I think the game itself is fun. But there was a lot of times where I would just sit and think, like, if, <laughs> if, if this didn't have to be, right. like, uh, you know, uh, uh, if he didn't have to strip out all the references... What would this have been? Yeah. Because this probably would have been what this. What would Frodo do? There, yeah, were, exactly. there were some references yeah. that were still left in there. Wasn't yeah. there the, the one of the like stone trolls like still had the name of yeah. like, the stone troll? You can remember yeah. one of the trolls and his name's like Bob, I think. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but Which, it's... Yeah, yeah. Yep, Bob. Yep. That's at the end of the um, troll mire, I think. The yeah. big, the guy you kill. Yeah. To get the transmog chest. The transmogrifier. Yeah. So I just want to quickly come back to what you said about the overworld. Because mm-hmm. if I have a single, I mean, there are lots of little tiny quirky things that I might, you know, adjust. Of but course. But my one complaint is that it would be cool if, um, do you got any guys played the original like fallout or fallout 2 yeah, yeah. Sure. okay so you remember like in fallout 2 you get the car uh-huh. <laughs> and then you drive around in the car and it's like a black screen when you first get out of the world map and you'd have no idea like what you're going to encounter first and and i i wish that that he would randomize the world map every time like i i even would be willing to like have it scaled and randomized so that like you're sort of like okay i know the first dungeon i go in is sort of a level one dungeon and the next one's going to be like like i don't i don't mind the scaling matching your progress so so because what i have to do now and what you some of you guys probably do too is you have to just remember the order of the Mm -hmm. dungeons so that you are not getting into impossibly difficult ones Mm -hmm. too early um but why not just randomize the whole thing and then you're always on a on an empty field and you're like i don't know what this first dungeon is i'm going into surprise interesting yeah i think that'd be much more satisfying i feel like that would have kept me coming back a lot more yeah Mm -hmm. um but it's interesting though because um and i was 
I'm trying to avoid coming at, bringing this up over and over again, but Caves of Could is a very similar mm-hmm. roguelike. After playing them both pretty extensively, I think I like Caves of Could better. But it also has a static overworld. Yeah. But um, every single tile on the overworld is a dungeon, essentially. Mm. It feels a lot more infinite than this does. Um, So even though there's a static overworld, there's like an immensely huge amount of variety in like how you actually engage with that space. Yeah. Well, there's a ton of procedural text too. So, yeah. Right. And so they're reinventing the lore every time you play. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm going to be completely honest. So I was 100% did not care about the world of Tales of Majel. Yeah. Zero. I did all the made-up words and all of the, <laughs> like, I did not care. It was just like, why is there any dimension portal here? I do not care. I'm just going to go into yeah. it and deal with it. <laughs> yes. And um, there was some interesting moments, though, right? Like, so there's, like, the slavers camps and there's, like, this, there's, like, the anti-magic faction or whatever. So yes. there's, like, sort of set up to be, like, I just did not care. Like, I did not read any of those scrolls I found. <laughs> I yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's care. kind of hard to when you know that it's, there's the impermanence of it, well, right? Well, but, but that, the lore stays the same. Yeah, it does. But even so, I, yeah. I, I know that I could, I could die around the next corner. Doesn't matter for my character. Guys. Right, yeah, this, this lore is yeah. just about to end any minute now. This yeah. lore is for the real hero <laughs> right. coming through, <laughs> right, not right. me. Yeah, but no, you're, you're right. Like, um. And that's I, one thing, yeah, so just I care finish. about it as, no, go, yeah, go. Uh, just, uh, I was just saying that's one of the reasons I think Caves of Could I think is more interesting is because the world is more interesting and it leaves me wanting to explore the same thing over and over again to find something new every time. Yeah. Um, it, mechanically, they're very similar games, but Tales of Montreal dives a lot deeper into the mechanics, though. So they're they're different yeah. and both really interesting. But yeah, the world was just like say, snooze fest. I me. was way more fixated on like the role play of the character in Caves of Could. But in Tales, I was very much, like, focused on the equipment and, like, picking my stats. Min- right. It's a min-maxers game, yeah, for sure. Definitely. So, a lot of the, uh, speaking about the world, a lot of the names for things seemed like, like, I mean, I know they're not, but it seemed like they were procedurally generated. <laughs> like, it <laughs> seems like when, when he was when he was naming things, like... He had a like a, a random function. It was like, okay, that'll be the name for the, for this race, and that'll be the name for this thing. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if that is what he did, um, but I know I keep bringing this up. But it was always every single time fascinating. Like, what from what did this used to be? Yeah, what did this used to be? <laughs> when it made sense, what did it? Yeah. What was yeah, yeah. Because like I see the vague shape of the map. I'm like, that's kind yeah. of just like yeah. the western part of Middle Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then no, like when you mentioned that there's like a like a new game plus essentially where yeah. you like go across the sea. I'm like, do you go to the Undying Lands? Like yeah. that, yeah. that's what's happening. Uh, like yeah. To no, be I did fair, the same thing. how many games? I mean, yeah. I've played so, sure. so, so many games that were very just vaguely uh, uh, regeneralized, thinly yeah. shrouded, thinly yeah. shrouded Middle yeah. Earths. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. many. And again, yeah, it didn't. It didn't feel outlandish to me. I'm like, oh, it's just another one of these games. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And and so I mean, at that point, I was ready to play it for what it was, which was just a fun roguelike, yeah. uh, roguelike sake. Yeah. But I want to agree with you completely. I I have virtually no interest in anything about the story. I mean, other yeah, I than... Was, that's like, good, because yeah. I was actually going to ask you, like, yeah. if... I've been curious, the whole month while I was playing this, it's been, you've kind of been in my head, Joe, like, wh- I've been wanting to know, what is it that 
why this game? Yeah. Like out of all the other roguelikes, out of all the other possible games that you could have done, but specifically roguelikes, why this one? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, there's a couple things. Like, I, for me, it's a really beautiful machine. So, um, and, and that's what, pleasing. Like, there in are, what way? Well, so I just, I feel like it's a really carefully balanced, the relationship between the, first of all, there's a huge amount of variety. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I haven't, I've only played a really small number of the classes and, and I deliberately played when I'd never played before just because you guys were playing for the first time and I'm like, okay, I'll pick something totally new. And it feels like a completely And I was game. like, this yeah. is like a whole, yeah. like I'd never played a melee character before and I thought, well, why not? Um... But so, first of all, there's there's a really wide range of mechanical variety, and it you can see some similarities, right? So, you have like area of effect things as an archer, which are a little weird, right? Like mm-hmm. rain of arrows, like where you're like, okay, yeah. you can't really hit nine squares with <laughs> with a hundred arrows in the time that these guys are standing here. But, but you recognize magic, Joe. to balance it against like magic users and other things, you have to have these sort of ways that that works, but they're still they still feel different to me yeah. like um but i also just love that the the classes and the gear and the point systems all seem to just work really well together mm-hmm. in a way that i guess my brain is i just like i feel like i'm getting on a bicycle and riding yeah and i don't want to ever get off until i die and like, then i want to know more about how he he generates like the loot uh, because I found that to be like immensely satisfying. Me too. I don't know if it was just the character I was playing because I played, played the same character. I gave him like the same name every time because I was like, no, you were gonna make it farther than that. Uh, I did that, that with one. My poor undead reaver, like yeah. or my ghoul reaver, I made them about seven or eight times. But um, I sort of kept getting some staple equipment that felt like mm-hmm. really appropriate for my character. Yeah. And I don't know if you get different stuff if you're playing a different character, but I was like, I got this awesome shield in the tutorial dungeon, and I would use that all the way up to, like, level 20. Um, and I got that all three times that I played the character. Oh, nice. Uh, and so things like that, where the, the equipment was was balanced really well to where I didn't feel like I was just, like, cycling through it all the time, uh, yeah, but I, still fit the character and was really exciting. I love that there was no boring equipment, really. Like, they'll, you'll occasionally get, like, the very first, like, oh, this is just leather boots. But the next step up from leather boots is, like, ultimate leather boots of <laughs> swiftness and blight resistance. Like, they're, yeah. like, super duper. Like, every single item you pick yeah. up is so interesting. And it almost is dizzying and it headache-inducing. It, it, it's it's uh, analysis, analysis paralysis. Oh my God. Like, I'll sit there and compare two yeah, things here. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. like, I just can't. And that's where the interface lets you down a little bit. It does. Because you're just, like... What am I even looking at? What is he I've got an apple and a hand grenade, and I'm trying to figure out which one to eat. Because, yeah, the compare function is sort of useless. You sort of just have to mouse over the two. Yep. And there is a good mod, actually, that helps some. It does. And I I got to the point where I was like, if it's this hard to pick, let me just pick one, and then I'll throw the other one away. Well, it was even small things. the, The comparison window would come up on the left. And so when I'm mousing over the stuff in my inventory, it covers up the character I with all know, my and yeah. you're just like, I need to see you and right like, now. Put it on the other hand, yeah. like on the other side. I only care about like one thing over there. Like I want to see all this stuff. And it's not really hiding any information yeah. for me. Yeah. But for some reason, my brain just would like come to a stop every time that happens. I'll <laughs> yeah. just like me too. just flip it. See, there are definitely some interface issues, considering it was such a number-crunchy game. Yeah. But for some reason, like it was, and it, it is a frustrating thing, but 
I was more excited by it than I was frustrated by it, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, seeing all the different colors of all the different effects, mm -hmm. like, it just made, like, lights fire off in my brain that I was like, I, I like, because yeah. I'm one of those people that, and we'll, we're probably going to talk about this a little bit next month, but, like, the gear upgrading and comparing and, like, that is, like, <laughs> most of the game to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like figuring out what I want my character to be and mm -hmm. what I want them to have. And so that I spent probably, I wouldn't say as much time in the inventory screen as out, but <laughs> yeah, probably too. pretty close. Yeah, I, I tagging along on that, um, I really, really appreciate that this game did exactly one of the things that we've talked about before, where you have so much choice and randomness in each and every little piece that you get. I... I didn't do what you said, Tanner, where you would always get basically this uh, a similar shield at the beginning. Right. I would I played archers through almost all of them, um, and I would have games where I would be like uh, three dungeons in and still have the same crappy elm bow that I started with, and I'm like, why? Like I've got like 15 shields that I can't use. But <laughs> that happened for me too. Like I would go and I, I'd be in like the level seven, like I'd be in a sandworm layer, and I'd be like, I still wouldn't have any boots. Right, right, like, right. No boots. But but that's yeah. that's actually uh, interesting and kind of kind of uh, fulfilling to me because. I, I like that it's not standard. It's not, and you guys have heard me, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me rail a little bit against like Diablo and things like that, where you have a suit that you're trying to get <laughs> to build this suit with these gems on it, yeah. and it's the holy grail of getting through this thing. Yeah. That drives me nuts. It's like this is a thing that you yeah. have to build yeah. to optimal yeah. strategies. Yeah. And, those yeah. those opti yeah. optimal equipment strategies and, and optimal uh, skill builds and things like that. I love that this gave you so much wide open scattershot randomness of stuff that you it really huh. it, it makes you uh make makes you really create a strategy on the fly as you're yeah. going. And, and, and I did feel good. while I was playing it that there were some skills and some strategies that were obviously the lesser option. Uh, but yeah. sometimes I pick them anyway, just because I thought they were cool. <laughs> like yeah. I would yeah. just because they did cool stuff. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I eventually died, but like so what? <laughs> I had fun. Yeah. Up it's a metaphor for life, really. I also yeah. want to say the the loot drops um, are are one thing that it invokes like the the Lord of the Ring books and the Hobbit really well to me. So like every time I'd find a cool new weapon or a cool new piece of armor. Like, it felt like, you know, it was in the Barrens, and you pull out this cache of, like, elven swords, and you're like, oh, we got all this cool stuff now. Let's go. Everybody gets a sword. Yeah. You get a sword. You get a sword. Or, like, you, you, sword. you know, you get mithril or something like that. That's that's how it always felt yeah. to me. Even if it was a small upgrade, it kind of felt like, oh, cool, we just fought these goblins, and they had yeah. some cool stuff stashed away. They didn't even know how good it was. I hadn't thought of that, but that, that's absolutely, that was really satisfying to me, too, because it reminded me, uh, thinking about it now, I'm remembering that it reminds me of... Old D and D, mm. like when you play through a thing and you get that randomized piece yeah. of equipment and you're like, oh, this is my guy's thing now, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is his whole definition. That thing where I would be like, why did this rattlesnake have a battle axe? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> where did he even keep this well, battle axe? Did he eat it? <laughs> so, no wonder he was shaped so weird. I guess I have like a weird, um, like blind spot for randomness. If I don't, if I don't feel like it's random, I I assume that it's intentional. And I did the same thing with WoW, and I think I did the same thing with this game, because my experience was like Tanner's, where I felt like, oh, they he he must, like, the randomness must be, like, skewed towards your character. Yeah. And maybe it's not necessarily exactly what you need right now, but it's applicable to your character. 
And I remember there were multiple times when I when I was playing WoW that I, even though I know that it's completely random, where I would feel like, oh no, I'm getting this stuff because I'm a warlock. <laughs> like, this is I think for they me. call that just being lucky. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But like, and some games have done that, right? Like I think yeah, the first there aren't Guild there aren't Wars games that did that. do do that, yeah. right? Yeah. The first Guild Wars did that, yeah. But I just I guess it it felt like that it was intentional, right? Um, but I guess I guess it yeah. wasn't, and I just assumed this guy's brilliant. <laughs> well, I think the but, brilliant piece was that he's using, he's leveraging that randomized right. function well, everything to feels, feel that way. Everything feels so interesting and so good and so unique that it feels yeah. like it was put there for some yeah. special reason. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, I think he is brilliant, just not necessarily in the way that I was thinking. <laughs> the but, way you're attributing. Yeah. But the, the fact that this one guy did all these games. And yeah. the other interesting thing is in the community newsfeed thing in Steam. Like, he's constantly making updates. Like, his latest one is, like, there's this rumor going around that development stopped. Nope, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, just, like, a few days ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, his handle, I think, is Dark God, which I think is kind of fun. <laughs> and he does this whole role-playing thing where he's, like, hello, my little my little <laughs> minions. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, this fun little <laughs> relationship that he has with them, which I think is it's just really cute. Well, and then they've um, got the, the, the global chat. Or not chat, but the global status log. Yeah, so yeah I actually a server think that. that's really cool. So this is one, and I never really utilized it, but I saw other people using it all the time because it popped up on my screen that if you, like, sign up for the account or whatever, yeah, and you log in, you can see that um, it'll pop up and be like, so-and-so died at this location, at this level, to this. And then they would go, oh, man, <laughs> and then start a new character. Yeah. And then and then people would ask questions. And I think that's a really oh, good thing. Oh, wow. So it already has a pretty good, like, wiki and stuff. But uh, just the fact that if there was something, I just didn't know how it worked. Or I constantly mm-hmm. was seeing people be like, so how does this work? And then somebody would immediately answer. That's cool. And with a roguelike with so much just, like, situational information mm-hmm. like that, that's actually really interesting that in-game mm-hmm. it, it fostered, like, a it had a mechanic for yeah. that part of the community mm. i remember the first time i put on a piece of gear that disrupts magic and i saw the little thing appear and i it literally said, disrupt. sent you a status slack message about that and it, ch- it made me chuckle because <laughs> i remember the first time it happened and i i didn't look anything up i was like oh i guess i don't know what that means and then when my magic stopped working like I, <laughs> like the problem is it doesn't make it completely stop working it just gives you a percentage chance that your spells will fail yeah and so i'm like in this fight yeah, and I'm I'm like, why mm-hmm. won't my shield go up? I'm like I picked up this weird circlet, <laughs> yeah. and I just don't remember like half my spells. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is happening? And then I finally figured out, you you know, you've got like a one in three chance or something that your spell will for fail. like each piece of equipment. Yeah, for uh, yeah. yeah, and the just so the disruption is. And, and I, I suffered through it for a couple of runs because I would find these really unbelievable pieces, but they were disruptive. And then finally I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm just not, I'm not wearing anything that disrupts magic. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm hardcore. I never do it. In fact, I'm annoyed by that little town where they have the disruptive like, headquarters. And they, do you guys, did you, any of you go there? I never uh, got no, no. to. So they, they well, invite you to join. And if you refuse, they won't let you back in the town. That's what I was about to say, because I always was about to go, and then it says level requirement, 15. And I was like, why is there a level requirement on the town? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going there. Yeah. yeah, and then so you go in, and there's like a guy, and he's like, hey, we've got this organization that fights magic because it's evil. And they're like, do you want to join? And I was like, nope. 
<laughs> and then you, if you leave the town, you try to go back there. Like, yeah, they don't want you there anymore. And then this, the they're called the ziggurats, I think. Yeah. So then they will ambush you <laughs> once you become enemies with them. They become ambushers on the. That's a whole too. another level of the game that I totally yeah. didn't. Yeah, even there's so on. much like that, like little individual interactions that are based on your character and your or your class and your race and the things that you found and yeah. done. Um, cause I, like my favorite character was, and I get, got a mod that unlocked everything just cause I wanted to experiment, experience some of the cooler classes. My favorite character was my ghoul reaver. And the reason I liked them so much was because they, um, when they start out, it's different than any other character. They start out in a necromancer's dungeon in the bottom floor. And the first thing you have to do is kill the necromancer that summoned you and escape. Wow. And so you're just That's like hardcore. a, you're okay. just like a, a zombie. <laughs> Who's just like, I don't, I have free will for some reason. So, but this is so cool because you get like a cloak that you can wear that makes you look like a human. So you can go into towns. But if you forget to wear it, which I did a lot. I, uh, yeah. So just the, there's really cool, cool. very unique interactions like that that are totally. So starting from like as a different character. Also stuff like halflings have a lot of unique interactions too, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I, so. I think that so much of the randomness and just not, especially early on, the, the first several hours, tens hours that I played, not knowing what the hell I was doing. So, like, at one point I equipped a the stones that ma- ma- mages use. The mind use. stars? Yeah. I it's equipped, only nature wizards that use them. <laughs> I equipped one and I was not a nature wizard. Yeah. And then I couldn't figure out, like, I can't, like, my air, bows and arrows aren't working. What's going on? And that's why. Uh, so uh, those kinds of things that you're talking about that are that are story driven might have happened to me, and I just didn't realize because <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> so, did everybody play with primarily the mouse, or like did anybody get really into the hotkeys? I and almost everything? did not use the mouse and keyboard at all. Yeah, wow. I, I went basically used the, the numpad. I think is basically vital just to get the diagonals. Yeah, right. I guess if you're using the mouse, you can get the diagonals too. Well, because yeah, you're just yeah. clicking. Yeah. So she means move. You can move diagonals. Yes. <laughs> I only move by clicking. Well. Uh, all right then. Which makes sense. Well, yeah, and then you just go to the spot where you're. Yeah. 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 I, I I was mouse. Yeah. So I'm all, I only use keyboard. So okay. so in fact, I yeah. move the mouse pointer off to the side so it doesn't block uh, the screen. I anymore. use it for menus and stuff. Uh, wait, how do you it. shoot things? So, so by default, it, it selects the nearest, oh, and then okay. you can use your arrow keys to yeah. cycle to the next. Okay. Once I yeah. figured that out, I enjoyed combat a lot more, because right-clicking to shoot, so like I, I had the, the throwing knives, and it oh, cool. gives you like a line to show like where it's going to go, but when you right-click on something, a big box comes up. And so you can't see like really uh, yeah. where it's going. Yeah. And so I don't know. Oh, that's a bummer. So yeah. what was your class and, and rogue? Uh, and and uh, some sort of is an elf. Was an elf like, the S one? So the Shaloran. Sh- yeah. 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 <laughs> the Shalor. So the one are the nature elves and the other one are the like magic elves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I, the Thalarin and the Shalarin, I think. Yeah, I think it it was was definitely the the S one. I think. Yeah, but in the Great Rift of thirteen oh six. Yeah, but I remember, I remember just like like scanning, just scanning what it was, because again, because a lot of the words are just like okay. Yeah. But just scanning what it was, it just seemed like that seems like something I can play. That's what I normally play in other games, but usually in other games, when I choose those things, there's like a, um, there's like a period of time where I'm 
kind of confused. Like, how does the how does the game interpret this archetype? But this game, for whatever reason, I just immediately was like, oh yeah, that's the one that I'm going to use to do this, and that's the one I'm going to use to do this. So maybe I chose like the noob friendly class or something, or maybe I just understood what the guy was going for. But yeah, nice, that was great. I really like. Um, I should say too, like thinking about the sort of the machine. So it, it it's a beautiful machine, but I also feel like. Again, there, there's a lot of cool, like, over-the-top aesthetic to it. So, like, one example, right? So there's a huge number of skill trees, right? Mm -hmm. And if you, yeah. if you unlocked and tried playing the adventurer class, which is you get by beating the game. I never the, tried it yet. Yeah, so the adventurer class opens every single skill tree, and you can just pick which ones you want. <laughs> and so, so like instead of getting prefabbed, like this is this kind of character, you could just be like, I'm gonna do fire magic, and I'm gonna do like stealth throwing knives, and then you could just pick like a set of five of those. And, and it even comes with a warning that's like, just so you know, this is not balanced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, but I love that. Like for instance, a lot of the races have their own skill trees, yeah. and so like yeah. the like the the Shalaran have one that has to do with. Is that the nature that, one? I think yeah. it's the nature one. It's got, like, like, there's, like, some stuff about, like, calling nature. And if you get to the top of it, you get to call, like, these two Ents that show up. And I, Yeah, I didn't get to that one. But I know that, like, my first skill was, like, uh, harness the power of nature. And you get, like, an 11% bonus to, like, attack and, yep. and I think, defense as well. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah that, and so that that's, like the, all those, like, and, and again, it's just numbers in the end. But it felt like it was described in a way that I thought, yeah. oh, this is what this race is about, and so they're doing these. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I just think it did a, on people. <laughs> I think it did a great job of <laughs> of doing that, of hiding the fact that it's just numbers under enough um, really good feeling randomness and a variety. Uh, so much really seemed to complement other things like there was yeah. so much synergy like in so many unexpected places that was really nice and i think some of that probably comes from the fact that this is very much a labor of love by mm -hmm. one developer so he can have a singular vision be the only person to implement it and he clearly he's dedicated to actually executing what he wants and i i could see a team of people creating a good roguelike but they wouldn't create this mm -hmm. roguelike and maybe in some cases that's for the better when you're <laughs> yeah. talking about like maybe the art and the UI. Yeah. But when you're talking about the the general experience, um, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't have captured any mm -hmm. of those things we just mentioned. Yeah, definitely. While I was so like in between my t demoralizing deaths, it was really hard to put the game down. Like I would play it for like two plus three plus hours sometimes just. Mm -hmm. Because it was just, I just wanted to I, yeah. do one more dungeon. Yeah. I think every time I played, I started playing, and I played all the way through until my character died. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd be like, I'm not playing this for a week and a half. I, That's, I, you I did a couple, I did yep. a couple where I saved and came back to it, yeah. but that was usually, I think yeah. that usually like, didn't even last very long. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And, and what's crazy, right? So I've, I've never beaten the game without a mod. So the only way I ever beat it, and I've only beaten it twice, I beat it once a couple of years ago with the same mod that I beat it with earlier this month when I was trying out the Berserk character, which is the one that gives you extra points every level. Um, other than that, I've never really even come close. Like, And so part of it is just... And, I, and the only reason I put the mod on was that I, I, I just wanted to get to the other places, and I was like, 
I, I don't know if I can ever do that. Like, I'm just not good enough at thinking through all the things I need to think through. And I don't feel like reading for six hours yeah, to figure out, the like, the perfect strategy. connections to whatever. So I was like, well, I'll just take a boost and then see how far it goes. But the the stuff you find later is so crazy and cool. Like, like it's because there's this whole other continent that you end up on. And the gear gets... I was telling these guys the other day, like... In this last run I did as a Berserker, I came across a set of armor. Because I'm still, like, after playing hundreds of hours of this game, I'm still finding gear that I've never seen before. That's that's not just random, but it's, it's like, like custom-made gear by the, by the developer. I found a set of unique armor that requires 150 constitution to wear. Wow. So. That's serious. <laughs> yeah. I think my guys had, like, 18. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I was, and I've gotten like in this berserker run I did, I got my strength up to like 160, like through a combination of just, again, putting as many points as I could into it, and then also crazy like, but but I just thought like this is unbelievable that there's this piece of armor that like part of me thought I wish I could save it just so I could play like ten more times yeah. to try to get my constitution <laughs> up to to wear it. It's called like the dark block or something. It's like and they're like it looks like it's hewn out of a piece of space metal or like yeah, yeah, yeah. It weighs like eighty thousand pounds. Or Anyway, I just wanted to share that yeah. little bit because yeah. that's the other thing that keeps me coming back is that... There's something like, that you haven't seen. Yeah, because um, they do those... Have you guys seen, probably you saw some of the random uniques? Mm-hmm. So they those are yeah. really interesting too. Like Almost every boss drops one, right? Yeah, the and so ones. it is random, but it also feels like this... Yeah, I, I really... That was really, really satisfying. Yeah. They're, they have like a gibberish name. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and usually they have some huge stat boost. Yeah. Like I have found ones where like every one of my stats would go up by like 10. Wow. Yeah, and you're just like, I don't know what's ever going to replace this because anyway. Yeah. That stuff but makes me so happy. Out there I know! <laughs> and then you're like, oh, it's heartbreaking because you wear it for like hours and hours and you're like, but. But, but I don't want to leave it here. Mm-hmm. Not like this. I th- you know, I think I want to revisit this without the roguelike thing. And just go. Yeah. I, I think I want to revisit it and just try to build and build and build and get just like crazy. Just to see it all, yeah. Yeah. See how high those numbers can go. <laughs> right. Yeah. I haven't played a lot of traditional roguelikes. How central is the sort of like looting? element to them usually is it very like yeah your, your archetypical roguelike is it going to be more like skill based because i feel like it's like at least pop roguelikes have kind of gone that direction because mm-hmm. that's what i'm most familiar with the oh, kind like of platformer like roguelikes platformer-ish and... roguelikes that like yeah. you're gonna die in a split second like binding of isaac and yeah, yeah. that's kind of the thing yeah. i'm most familiar with so i was curious sort of where the divide fell there's that other one too, the one where you you're it's generational and you end mm-hmm. up with these weird traits rogue like legacy. like blind yeah rogue yeah. legacy yeah yeah I can't stand I've gotten the one where I'm like everything's in black and white <laughs> like, what um, and then there I mean it's worth saying too they're like FTL right so faster mm-hmm. than light is is a roguelike, but it's a really different kind of game yeah um, that's the other thing so so often roguelikes discourage grinding. Um, so faster than light does that by essentially pushing you through the. You have to go forward. Yeah, um, and this one does it by emptying the dungeons, right? So once you've killed everything, you can't just hang around and wait for more low yeah. level. Um, you can fight ambushes, like that's the only way I figured out how to how to grind. Is but like, they're dangerous. They are, yeah. They're way more dangerous than the dungeons. But if you really want the points, you can just hang around and let people ambush you. Um, 
I spent a lot of time just running across, running away from all those guys. <laughs> yeah. I was like, kind of zip um, across the map. Yeah, but so my experience is like all the ones that have the sort of, you know, that you're you're just a single right. person or, or single creature. The the gear like the gear avatar is in pretty much all of them, and so okay. you're always dropping like you know the standard like gloves, ring, mm-hmm. boots, you know the whatever the basic. Yeah, yeah, that's my experience at least. That was just such a standout element of the game. I was I was curious how that yeah. broke down more broadly across the genre. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also makes me want to playing this makes me want to revisit some other ones that I've played. There's a really good one uh, on Congregate called. Uh, the Enchanted Cave, The Enchanted Cave Two. That's a really it, it's similar to this, but in a kind of a more simplified way. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, this made me think of a lot of those other roguelike and semi roguelikes that that I want to go back and try again. Yeah, and take care. Uh, might do that soon. Would this game be as fun and engaging if it were on mobile? Hmm. I wonder. I would hate to look at this UI on a mobile device. <laughs> right. Like, there, there's, how would you rearrange right, it? There's I wonder. So I don't much know if it would be possible to yeah. contain in the UI the that you would have to change. Yeah. 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 If if it's, I think you could do it though. If there was some way to do that, I yeah. could see it. Maybe. Well, yeah. that that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like, I played it with the mouse, and it was not great. And so, if if you're playing it on a phone, you're essentially going to be playing it as if you're playing yeah, with a mouse, but you're, but you're tapping, and yeah, I, I, and to, to somewhat, I think that's a shame because I would like to play this game on mobile because it lends itself very much towards like jumping in, doing a little bit, and then just like coming yep. out and coming back to it. Um, and if if I could do that, I probably would continue playing this game quite a bit yeah i think he's talked about it in the in the in the community stuff he said like he's looking at it because because even that global chat thing that's a thing that like lots of games have like you're playing your own game but there's still that global chat that would lets you know who finds what item or Mm -hmm. who died where and yeah yeah cool Cardinal Quest is the one that I was trying to think of. Cardinal uh, Quest. Cardinal Quest on on uh. Wait, you go to the Vatican and um, I don't know why it's called. I can't remember oh, why basically. it's called Cardinal Quest. Um, it, it's a looking for a new rogue is fable. It north, That's another one. Or west? Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I want to go back and play all those again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I would be. I'm now interested in. Now that I've played a rogue like, that I didn't just immediately quit and never care about again. I'm interested in trying other roguelikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will. After playing it and sort of really getting burnt out on it a little bit, I immediately the next game I started playing was a roguelike mm. because I <laughs> Which was one? Darkest Dungeon. So uh, I guess it's a roguelite. It's it's <laughs> so many words. Yeah, I think it's I think it's mostly a roguelike. <laughs> I mean, it's got the side to side combat, which is kind of different. And I mean, in some ways, it reminds me more of Slay, Slay the Spire, which yeah. again I've played a million hours of. Um, Darkest Dungeon, I find more. Dip- it's like <sighs> weirdly, like because I know we were talking earlier about the like permadeath and the low feeling you get. I actually experienced that more with Darkest Dungeon because of the curses and the kind of way that like you always feel under pressure. Um, it's designed to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're. It's not like I'm joyous. I'm joyous. I'm joyous. I'm dead. Which is this experience. Yeah. It's like. 
you're always like you're just trying to claw like, yeah, like you're ground down by the pointless and horrible experience of being an adventurer like okay. I, so I can't play that game like I tr- I've tried a couple times and it just it yeah. really it just gets me like the have you played it Darkest Dungeon okay have you yeah okay yeah not a ton, but I, I go through like spells where I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna play Darkest yeah. Dungeon for yeah, it makes sixteen hours this week. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a reasonable reaction, honestly. That's I feel like what they're going for. Yeah, <laughs> you're like half my adventurers. So that's the only place that they'll go to relieve their stress. Yeah, yeah. bad and prostitutes. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, well, I would definitely recommend Dungeonmans. Dungeon. Yes. So many. Which is low. Right? It's low price. I think you, it's like 10 bucks. Dungeon Men's, M-E-N-S? M-A-N-S, yeah. Dungeon, Dungeon Men's Academy is Dungeon what you're running. Man's. Dungeon Men's. Dungeon Men's. <laughs> yep. You get, to, you get to upgrade the library, you upgrade the potions area. <laughs> and it's but, a roguelike? It's a roguelike light. It's a roguelite. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, it's, I think most people who are it's purists would call it a roguelite. I'm going to need a better definition than that joke. Because it's got this whole overlayer of, of kind of building up this thing. and um, <laughs> It's got a lot of overlayers. It's got actually cool stuff, not to go too far down this road, but like you find materials you can and, and you can smelt down your, your unwanted gear into these special like, you know, like mithril-like things. And then you have this forge in the Dungeon Men's Academy where you can upgrade the forger and he'll make cooler and cooler gear for you. I like that. I know, so it's like, it's a little bit of that, like... And that's a Steam game? Yeah, uh uh-huh. One question. Yeah. About uh, Tails. Does he have a roadmap uh, published somewhere? Or... I wonder. I about, actually like, don't know. Upcoming yeah. upcoming features or stuff that's like in the pipeline. Yeah. Not, yeah. not just like what's coming out in the next update, but like what he sees for the game going forward. Yeah. Because he seems so active. I get the impression that he's like, what if I add this? Yeah. yeah. And then he it does. It feels more like that. It, it feels and like the whole know. game was yeah. made that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and really like there's something endearing about yeah. thinking of it that way. Yeah. Anyway. And the, the truth is, like, you guys didn't play the, any of the add-ons, so I have all the DLC for mm-hmm. it as well. And the latest DLC is called Forbidden Cults. And it is messed up. (laughs) So so one of the things it adds are these gastric pods. So in a lot of the dungeons and also in the overworld, you'll just like come upon this pod and they'll be like, do you want to open it? And if you open it, like these crazy, like essentially like stomach (laughs) creatures attack you. Right. Um, And you also occasionally on the overworld that you'll be like, you'll fall down a hole and the hole turns out to be like this gigantic worm and you're in its stomach. And like it's gastric juices like attack you (laughs) repeatedly. They come through in waves. And so you have to like hide in these side chambers to get away from like the waves of gastric juice. So is is everything stomach related? <laughs> it's like it's this whole, and they're all, it's like all tied to this cult that has raised like these Cthulhu-esque like, so, stomach demons. I have, here, here's my headcanon for what happens. Is this developer do, gets like a stomach bug? And it's just like, you know what? That's going in the game. Like every DLC, every add-on is just like, what's going on in my life right now? Exactly. Write a module. Just lost my job. Yeah. And now that's a DLC pack. Yeah, no, it's, it's wicked strange. And it also adds this like chamber that you can find. And the chamber is tied to these, these like runic codes. 
and the runic codes start appearing in all of these areas. So like you'll get ambushed and the ambush site will have like four stones in it and the stones will have these codes. And if you write them down, you go to this chamber and it, it then will either take you to a special place. So the codes get randomly generated and they're tied to like secret areas. Are we still talking about the same game? <laughs> yeah. 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 And this, is all in, the world. this is all in like a $5 DLC pack. Wow. So he went to an escape room once and was like, oh, you know what would yeah. be cool? Yeah, I know. It's exactly right. You're right. Yep. He's like, my mom gave me these runes for Christmas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the power of being a soul developer. Yeah, I can just exactly. go off on this total tangent. and no, yeah. it's, But it's crazy. It's like, and that's just one of them. There's one called Ashes of Urhawk, I think, which came out a couple years ago. Did his house burn down? <laughs> yeah. Let's ask all these questions. Um, but in that one, the orcs have been defeated. So, like, it's after the first campaign, and you start out as an orc. And, and so the whole game, the whole DLC is about being an orc after the orcs have been, like, totally destroyed oh, by the... I would be really very cool. interested in that. Yeah. Because yeah. that was my favorite part in Warcraft 3 when you play as Thrall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, That's yeah, neat. it's just crazy. All the little bits. There's just, there's so much. There's so much. I had no idea. Yeah. I really, I, I had no idea. And I yeah. feel like if, with a procedural road, roguelike like this, there's a lot of... Lights. A lot of L's. A lot of L's. Um, there needs to be, like, that depth almost has to be there to give you a reason to keep exploring it, right? Yep. Because the only reason that you ever start a new character is because there's something you haven't seen before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the character themselves or an area you haven't been to or a piece of equipment you haven't found. Yep. Um, so do you think that that sort of, like, massive depth is required for a roguelike? I mean, I'm sure that there's theoretically one that doesn't have it, but I can't think of one. I mean, I, I guess it's also part of being a procedural game as well. Yeah. I yeah. feel like the ones that are less... I, I think you could strategize this game, and the idea, I think, is that you are supposed to strategize this game to make it go the long, go the distance. Yeah. Right? And, and that's why there's something that has to have 150 constitution to wear it, right? A lot of the other roguelikes that I've played, um, uh, one on Steam called Delver comes to mind, I played Delver. which is a lot of fun. But it's but it, it's, it has an end that's not very far. It's not far, and I think it's meant for you not to even get very far. It's supposed to be like you're not going to get. This is going to get so so hard so I fast <laughs> that yeah. you're gonna you're gonna be dead, and there's not that depth that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think that maybe I don't think it's necessary, but I think if you're building such a big uh, a broad and, and wide-ranging game as this, then then yeah, you do have well, to build now, it that way. Now that I think about it, even like Darkest Dungeon doesn't have that much depth. Yeah. There's four areas to explore, a bunch of character classes, but the really the thing keeping going in that game is the progression of upgrading the the town, yep. the hamlet. Mm-hmm. So I guess. There's something different in different games, obviously. But, huh. Huh. Wait, say that again? That's my ultimate takeaway from what is this it? podcast, is that games are be different. Yo. <laughs> Those and that's are been whack. a study yeah. in games. <laughs> Sincerely, us. <laughs> We're done now. That was it. Yep. We, we figured it out, you guys. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, though, I think the beauty of game design, especially in, in now, like to be in this now, is that all of these genres are sort of simultaneously emerging and then mashing up with each other mm-hmm. in really fun and interesting ways. So, like, I mean, again, to be... 
I still feel like we're so early in game design's life as a medium or game's life as a medium. Um, so yeah, like, so you've got roguelikes that sort of appear as this thing, but then really quickly they're like, well, people also like kind of building, you know, like Sims and building stuff. So let's put those together and see what happens. And Slay the Spire, people love deck builders. They also really love roguelikes. What happens if we put those two together? And it's so fun to see people do that well and be like, okay, maybe I could do that. And how would I do go about it? And Side note, it's also really disheartening when they do it poorly and it's and it's clearly just a money grab. Yeah. <laughs> which is what you see in a lot of apps. Let's just let's take these things where you merge let's take three these things words together. That people search for. <laughs> well, yeah, so, yeah. Like I think that's interesting though, right? Because like lots of video game genres and, and roguelikes in particular emerged from like one game. Yeah. One game came out that did right. all these things. What game are you talking about? <sighs> I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Darn. Rouge likes. <laughs> right. So like it's implicitly the whole genre sprang out of effectively a money grab. Right? Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. rogue clones that just, you know, proliferated and then became its own genre and then those elements got ripped out and mixed into other games. Right. Uh there's not really an ultimate point to that. Yeah. But I think it's interesting how uh, the entire genres of game design right now are coming out of singular experiences sure. and then just getting Super Mario Brothers duct taped everything <laughs> yep. right and but what's interesting is what what does gaming culture allow to just be well this is a genre now yeah. versus what do they just shun as like well, that's just a rip off of whatever yeah like oh, that's a good point like yeah. um, for like there's lots of like turn based role playing games that's fine uh-huh. mm-hmm. but you have Pokemon any game that comes out where you send out one monster at a time and you have like it's like that's not okay like it's just a rip off it's just a clone or whatever but yeah that's actually yeah that's but but within that i'm always pleasantly surprised when i do find one that feels like that looks like it's a clone or a ripoff that does something else really really well or does what you're saying emerges a a secondary idea from another genre and puts those two together in a really Almost game changing, yeah. For lack of a better word, uh, wait. So what I did there? Game changing. <laughs> wait. <laughs> what is games it? be what? They change the games in a game, way that's game games be different. Games be different. Or like Minecraft. There's lots yeah. of games that yeah. use that yeah, same aesthetic, yeah. but most of them yeah, get written off as just sort of like. I yep. mean, you're well, just doing Minecraft. There definitely whatever. needs to be allowances for games to be essentially a version of the previous thing but better or yeah. but different. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, most often I see them referred to as ripoffs or as clones yeah. or as, you know. And we see the same thing with uh, with, with tabletop games too. When, yeah. right. when a game like Catan gets sure. huge, yeah. uh, so many of these other, you know, the, the, the uh, trading and worker placement, those kinds of games, just the, the Euro style stuff, everybody was making them for about 10 years or more and then they kind of... Uh, didn't (laughs) or 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 they did it in a smaller way yeah i mean pokemon's interesting in a way because deck builders right have become a really interesting and pretty widely used genre in now in video games whereas obviously i mean the whole functionality right is like literally here is a deck of cards so it feels like they should be tabletop ish but but it turns out right that a lot of the number crunching is just much nicer when you're um so like there's the one What's the one? There's Card City Knights. There's, yeah. there's a there's a really fun one that's like a cyberpunk one, but I can't think of what it's called. A digital one. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I played it for hours. The you, it's like you, you're essentially again. It's like cyber. It's like Blade Runner, sort of. Netrunner. 
Is that no? It's not Netrunner. Netrunner's a cyber Netrunner's, villain. No, Netrunner's a roguelike, isn't it? No, NetHack is a roguelike. <laughs> Netrunner oh, is a cyberpunk hack. deck building game. Is that what it's a? Of? It's a board, a tabletop. It's, yes, but I think they have a digital version. Oh, really? So that's what I've been playing. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. what you And Slay the Spire is a roguelike deck building game, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, but time it's a is deck a flat building circle. Roguelike, right? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> anyway, but, I like deck builders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't think they're ripoffs. You, you like but rogue this builders. game? Right. Tales Deck-likes. of Magiel. We're totally out of control, <laughs> right. you guys. Is, uh, yeah, it's 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 a take on a roguelike. Um, it's I, not having a lot of experience with roguelikes. I can't point to exactly where this is different from others, but it feels different. Like it it maybe it's maybe it's because it has some charm and personality because there's it's one developer and he clearly has a weird sense of style. And something about that shines through, and maybe that's why I was able to enjoy it. But I think it definitely has a lot more depth uh, than so many of the other ones. I, I've never played the ones like uh, Rogue and and uh, Dwarf Fortress. Uh, Dwarf Fortress is a roguelike, right? Am I? No? I think it's more of like a sim slash management. I'm it's a roguelike sim. Yeah. I'm getting rogue See, and dwarf fortress. It's like, stuff. and Rimworld is a great example of a sim-like, <laughs> not, not a ripoff. Oh, dwarf fortress-like. <laughs> it's a draw, dwarf fortress-like. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. But I, of the other roguelikes that I've played, I don't think I've ever had one, ever seen one with this kind of depth um, in both the skills that you can have, the equipment that you can get, and how that fleshes out so many, so many unique uh, uh, ways of, of playing the strategies create a new strategy. Yeah, I mean, just kind of going back to the machine again, like, I mean, there are things I've even played before that I still, like, so the skill tree for, um, there's a skill tree for chronomancy, which, yeah, again, which I just, like, like, being a time lord to me, yeah. <laughs> like, I've, like, I've seen the tree and I've had, I've, I've, like, had access to it, but I've never played it, but part of me just wants to go, like, full time magic and just... <laughs> Because it's all kinds of crazy stuff where you're like, you're holding back your attack and you're it's like building, 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 and then you release it like four turns later. And so you've like sent your attack into the future. <laughs> like, cool. you know, yeah. And then you can like take someone out of time. <laughs> so like you can essentially, like if you're fighting a boss, you can just send send the boss away for five turns. Send them on vacation. <laughs> like, and they just like do nothing. Nothing happens on. to them. They don't get attacked. They don't, yeah. no damage. Yeah. They're just out of the picture for five turns. Um, and you can do the same thing to yourself. So there's all these ways you can manipulate how how a battle is going. I've never even done that in, in a game I've played hundreds of hours of, and I keep thinking, one of these days I've got to... So that's like a... It's just like a whole new river yeah. to go down. Even though I know I'll repeat the same dungeons, it's like, what's going to happen with that mm -hmm. machine is I, what really I like, gets me. I like that you just described those skills. So you just described two skills. One, you take the boss out or, or an enemy out, that's basically just f freezing them, mm -hmm. right? And then you take yourself out. That's basically just putting like an immunity ship. Sure, or like a stone wall or something. But it's interesting that describing them that way makes it feel so much different I in, know. This, in this context. Yeah, even yeah. There might be another character that has the same skill that effectively does the yeah. exact same thing, but it's not. Yeah. it does not, like it totally feels I like love how, how it doesn't take very much to make it feel like a different thing. Yeah. 
And it's, again, going. we've talked about this so many times about just building a little bit more of that kind of content, uh, uh, brainstorming the different ways that yeah. you can even do the same thing over and over again makes it feel like so much of a, a bigger game yeah you know and i think i think an aspect people don't don't cover as much is like sort of so keying back on like the art and the animation mm -hmm. like lets them especially a one-person team effectively sort of spread out to cover that breadth yeah uh like i was watching uh an episode of new frames plus which covers like animation and they talked about how uh nintendo was going to handle our game freak was going to handle having 150 pokemon that each have unique animations and then how that builds forward with each generation and sort of like parsing those out and keeping it simple mm -hmm. and doing like basic animations like all those things are factors that went into you know allowing you to have a thousand different characters in the game that all do different things wow. and different attacks yeah right not really <laughs> <laughs> it's all a lie <laughs> robbie's uh, robbie's well actually moment yeah, yeah but like they do the you same thing the in here <laughs> don't forget the trainers they're everywhere uh they do the same thing with the attacks in this game right? yeah like you have like the the animations are pulled out and separate so that you can have those abilities and that just blinks them out of existence mm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah um so what's for, weird too is that for the low level of Again, the artwork. So they basically have the same shield animations that I remember from Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2. But I love them so much then. They're like these... Did you guys... Any of you guys use shields? like Or like, like shield runes? Yeah. They do this like shimmery thing. Mm -hmm. And the time shield, which again... <laughs> essentially, you know, it's doing just number stuff. Mm -hmm. But so that what the time shield does is absorb stuff and then send it back the next turn. Like it's again sends it into the future, and it like gets redirected at the, but but it is it's like a different color, so it's like this golden like extra shimmery thing, and I just like I I love it. I'm like I feel like this is my magic user, and you know she's just cast this crazy shield, and, and that's such yeah. a small thing, yeah, just a different uh, graphic effect, and these are really relatively simple graphics, yeah, goes such a long way to making the experience feel, yeah, like multiple times different you know and and more, more so much more variety yeah yeah good good lesson okay so should we have some final thoughts mm -hmm. all right brad go um i liked it i it was fun it was perplexing throughout the whole play of the game wondering in the back of my head why did joe pick this i can't i don't know what it is it's not that it's it, it's a good game and it has all of these worthy merits but I couldn't for the life of me figure out why you liked it so much. And uh, having the, after having this conversation, I want to go back and dig deeper into it. Probably not play it on rogue mode because I want to explore more. <laughs> I'm just not good enough to play it on rogue mode. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But yeah, it was it was a good experience for uh, uh, definitely one of the most interesting roguelikes I've ever played, bar none. Right. Tanner? So I feel like the developer's strengths really shine through in this game. So... The things that were not a priority uh, are the way they are, but everything sort of works in service of this one uh, feeling. I mean, it, not necessarily a singular feeling, um, but it definitely pulls you towards a space that I think really works. Uh, so I think that's definitely uh, on purpose. You know, I think you did a great job with that. Me? Um, I was actually really surprised going into it how familiar it felt having played a lot of another roguelike Caves of Could. It's almost the same game, and at first I was like, my first impression of the game was that this is Caves of Could, but worse. 
Like I literally <laughs> just kept thinking of it that way. But then I realized, I start to realize the ways that it was different. And there's a lot of ways that it's actually more enjoyable, but for completely different reasons. Um, but as far as roguelikes go, it really taps into the thing that I think roguelike players like, which is the sort of that sense of the moment to moment danger and the, the thrill of, of completing the puzzle of each encounter and all the shiny numbers of the armor and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it was a really, honestly, like a surprisingly well-made game. Like I, I hate to belittle it that way, but like uh, it's way, like don't let the, don't judge a book by its cover, I guess is what I want to say. Um, yeah, same. Don't judge a book by its cover. Like uh, if you, even if you don't like roguelikes, it's worth trying uh, this game. Uh, the developer is very, uh, not competent, but like he's, I don't, I'm trying to think of what the word is. Are you saying like, he's incompetent? <laughs> you are. No, no, like, but I don't want to just say like, he's very, he's very, very good. Like he, he knows what he wants to do and he does it yeah. and it works. Yeah. And, uh, he, he made something enjoyable. Um, clearly it took him a lot of hours and, um. I know. I was I was impressed by it. I, I yeah respect yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to wrap up by saying I hadn't realized this, but I think it does bring me back to those early '90s days mm -hmm. of of things like Baldur's Gate. I mean, it it has the roguelike sort of randomization, but that feeling of like I'm slowly trying to put stuff on this character avatar. I've got my first helmet. I got my first like sword that does something more than basic stuff. All of that is 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 part of that whole process for me as well, and I, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, but I also just want to say that I just I really wanted you guys to kind of experience that feeling of, you know, this character is the greatest character I've ever made, and now she's dead. And what that's like to to have to. And then to come back to a game, which again I've done dozens and dozens and of times, do it again. and then do it again, and then you know, and and again, I mean I've played hundreds of hours and I've never beaten this game on its on its regular settings, and and to me that's just interesting as well, and so I kind of keep coming back, trying different things, exploring, and and it it's it hasn't given me everything. I mean there are huge parts I've never played. So anyway, thanks for playing it, you guys. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. Thanks for bringing it. So next month is Olivia. Yes. What you got? So I had a really hard time picking a game for this season just because there were three or four things that I know I wanted to pick all of them really bad. She did. She asked me sometimes, <laughs> multiple times Once per day. Once a day, day, twice a day. I was like, Tanner, <laughs> Which game should I pick? Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, like I feel like there's a few games that I really love that are, have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, but I ended up settling on Monster Hunter World. I knew it. Our, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> as our game of the month for next uh, next month. And that's because um, Monster Hunter has been a game series that has always been super near and dear to me. This game is really interesting for a lot of different ways. I think it brought the game to a bigger audience and has done a lot of things right that the other games haven't done. And I really think, feel like it's worth talking about. So if you join us next month for that here on this podcast, we will have played it and talked about it. And as a reminder, our game is on Kickstarter right now, To the Rescue, a dog shelter simulator. We said we talked about it at the beginning already, but uh, 
but yeah, it's still there. <laughs> Thank you guys. It hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> Thanks nope. to everybody out there who has backed it. Uh, we so yeah, so very very pleased that that's taking off the way that it is. All one thousand plus of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.